Hi, Pastor Mike Fabares here. In August 2024, you're invited to join me on a seven-day cruise to Alaska. Delve into God's Word while taking in the rugged beauty of the Alaskan coast. Visit focalpointministries.org slash Alaska. If you browse through any of the four Gospels, there are a couple of groups of people you're bound to encounter, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But who were they? And why were they so opposed to Jesus? Well, that's our subject today on Ask Pastor Mike. And welcome to Focal Point. I'm your host, Dave Drewy. Glad to have you with us as we sit down for another one-on-one conversation with Pastor Mike Fabares to answer some questions about the political climate of first-century Israel. That's the time when Jesus conducted his earthly ministry and faced opposition from many groups, including the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And if you have your own question you'd like to ask Pastor Mike, I'll explain how to get in touch at the end of the program. But right now, let's join Pastor Mike and Focal Point's Executive Director, Jay Wharton, inside the Pastor Study. Jay? Well, thank you, Dave. I am here with Pastor Mike. And Pastor Mike, you know, when Jesus came to this earth, he ended up dealing with a number of groups of people who were vying for power in the Judean world. Of course, the Roman Empire was the overall authority, but groups like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we see scribes, Herodians, Zealots. But let's focus on the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Who were these people? What did they believe? I mean, how did they differ? And why was Jesus always at odds with them? Yeah, well, he was at odds with them in part because both the Sadducees and the Pharisees had misunderstood the law of God and their hearts weren't right with God. I mean, obviously there was a group of people Jesus came to that were ready for the Messiah's message because God's spirit had prepared them. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these were two opposing groups of people that both claimed authority with the Jewish law, but they had very different approaches to how they were teaching others to do it and how they were living themselves. He, remember in Matthew 23, he likes to call them uh, you know, hypocrites and he speaks of them in, the, in that way. So we know their hearts weren't right. Now the Pharisees were an interesting group. If you go back and read about the origin of the Pharisees, which is kind of hard because we don't have any we don't have any existing information coming directly from the Pharisees themselves. We always have to reconstruct this based on third-party descriptions. A big part of it, of course, is the New Testament, which we can thoroughly trust. We've talked so much about that on Focal Point. We know that all of those descriptions are accurate and true. Josephus also talks about the Pharisees, and there's rabbinic writings of old that, that harken back to describing the Pharisees. But those Pharisees, they they believe not only in the Word of God, at least the they would refer to the laws of God, they believed in uh, a bunch of traditions built on top of it, almost a a safety layer of human tradition. Uh, If you go back to the beginning, most people would point to the Babylonian captivity of the 6th century before Christ. So 600 years approximately before Christ, Judah gets hauled off to, to captivity because of their idolatry and their unfaithfulness to God. Well, 
the Pharisaical group arose before Christ came with this great intensity to say, listen, we better keep the laws fastidiously. We better be very careful about what we are teaching people to do. And they built a lot of human traditions, which Jesus points out, number one, they're the traditions of men being taught as the laws of God, and they're not the laws of God. They always were adding to the scripture. They believed in, in, in a lot of things that the Bible taught. They believed in you know God. They believed in angels. They believed in the resurrection, all those things but they uh, were more concerned with self-promotion. They were concerned, you might remember Jesus talking about prayer, talking about them wanting uh, to, to stand in the in the street corners and to be noticed by people. They loved the respectful greetings in the marketplace. Uh, they loved to promote themselves. They loved that kind of aristocratic, uh, high-brow, you know, authoritative role. They loved to sit there in those prominent seats and be recognized as important people uh, and kind of use religion as self-advancement. A lot of Pharisees in the first century, and Jesus is always calling them out for their hypocrisy. Now, the the Sadducees, they were different. Um, When I was a kid, the way way I used to remember the Sadducees as opposed to the Pharisees and what they believed is because uh, someone taught me this at one point, that they didn't believe in the resurrection or life after death. That's why they're sad, juicy. Uh, They're sad. I see what you did there. There, You see that. Well, it wasn't original to me. It's a corny way to remember it, but I always remembered from the time I was a kid, the Sadducees were those that did not believe in things like angels or the spirit or or the afterlife. The Sadducees had no hope in the resurrection, which is one thing we learn about them in the New Testament, right? In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus has to direct them and say, you guys don't know the scriptures. You don't know the power of God, your little trick stories to try and get me to buy into your position or try to oppose the truth that I'm teaching, which of course, what Jesus taught was reflecting perfectly the teachings of the Old Testament. Uh, he had to uh, put them in their place by saying, listen, you don't even understand what you're talking about. And he points to scripture and he shows them they're wrong and there is an afterlife. Uh, there is a spiritual component to who we are. There is life after death. And uh, you're going to face a judgment before God and there is a heaven and there is a hell. I mean, think about how often he taught these things and the Sadducees were opposing uh, Jesus just like the Pharisees were. And yet the Sadducees, they believed in a lot less of the restrictions of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were seen as like the religious uptight people has all who had all these rules that you had to adhere to. And the Sadducees were much more practical. They were much more uh, the kind of, of group that wanted to, you know, fit in with the world and the culture and not be sneered at, not be laughed at. They were very pragmatic. Uh, they certainly tried to to mold their teachings and what they stood for with something that the world would would respect. You know, God was very active for the Pharisees in their theology. God was very de- detached and, and removed from the everyday stuff of the world from the Sadducees' perspective. So you can even see parallels. And that's the whole point, you said, Jay. I mean, to think about how the noise of the first century is not altogether different than the noise of the 21st century. And we still have to deal with people that have a lot of adherence to some form of religion, even the form of Christianity, quoting God and quoting Christ 
Christ, but they really don't believe in the scripture or the power of God. And and that's what we want to do. We want to certainly at Focal Point cut through all of that kind of clutter and the noise and, and the self-promotion and the human tradition. And we want to make sure that what we're saying is all of what God says without embarrassment and nothing more than what God says. And the Pharisees love to detract from the word of God. I'm sorry, the Sadducees did. And the Pharisees like to add to the word of God. So that's the careful balance that we know in our, our sinful flesh. We'd love to kind of add on a lot of extra layers like the Pharisees did so we can get away with doing what we want. We can point to human tradition that makes me feel like I'm a good person and uh, I'm really not adhering to the internal transformation of the spirit. I think of that passage where uh, they said, well, what I would give to my parents, I would give to them, but I can't because I've kind of uh, put a king's X on it over here and I've called it something called Corbin. It's a gift set apart to God. Well, here's the Bible saying, honor your parents. And they're saying, well, I can't really honor my parents because I've got this human tradition that doesn't allow me to do that, which was just a greedy way for them to keep their money. That's the kind of thing that we need to always avoid is looking at a form of religion that's not based on scripture. It's based on our maybe even churchy culture and making me think that I'm a Christian just because I went to Sunday school or because I gave this amount of money to some special project or whatever it might be. And it really is not about what the Bible says, but it makes me feel good so I can ignore, as Jesus said, the weightier matters of the law. And so what we need to do is to find that perfect balance, which is doing what Jesus did, teaching the whole of scripture, not being like the Sadducees and cutting out stuff that might offend our world and and not adding to the scripture. And of course, we, I mean, even as I say that, you can think of passages in scripture that say the very thing that I just said. You don't want to add to the words of God. You don't want to subtract from the words of God. The very end of the Bible says that in the book of Revelation. You don't want to add to it. You don't want to subtract from it. So that's what focal point is all about. And that's why when we talk about Christianity in the 21st century, when you read the Bible, and read Jesus having to confront the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you get a sense for how these two groups represent people we talk to all the time in our world, coworkers, family members, neighbors that have different perspectives, even though they'll say, if you ask them, hey, are you a Christian? They'll say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But really their Christian may be based on man-made traditions, or it may be the kind of Christianity that's been so gutted of biblical truth uh, that it's fine to state their kind of Christianity in the secular marketplace and no one raises an eyebrow. Well, there's no power in that. There's no real Christianity in that. So the Sadducees and the Pharisees, good examples for us to know something about so that we can apply at least in our thinking, the kind of approach that Jesus had to dealing with this either gutting of Christianity or this adding to Christianity. So I've heard that the Pharisees, when they came out of the Babylonian exile, they realized they lost the land as a result of not keeping the law. Is that why they were such adherence to law and adding all of these things on top of it? And we, we get that sense from the what we do have about the, the Pharisees. And remember, the kinds of things that the Pharisees did in kind of going the extra mile, if you will, to make sure that any kind of aspect of the law is kept because they thought, you know, we got kicked out of our own land because we didn't do what God said. And there's some truth to that, right? I mean, there is truth to that. The idolatry, as Jeremiah talks about, and Isaiah and Ezekiel, all of these things are, are true. They got they got vomited out of the land to go all the way back to Deuteronomy and the, the, the depictions of it, much like the inhabitants of Canaan, because they were 
becoming idolatrous, compromising people. The first five chapters of Isaiah give us a good picture of that. But we realize that they then said, well, if we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, let's put a lot of rules in place that are very, you know, they're onerous. They're so detailed. You got to ask the question, well, how do we know that that's what that law meant? And they said, well, just trust us in this. And we see a lot of religious groups like that today, right? Well, that stacking on of uh, additional things on a simple commandment. Right, right. Well, how many steps can I take on the Sabbath, right? Can I can I light a fire in, in, and can I travel? Can I, you know, how many pounds can I lift? I mean, it got ridiculous. And when Jesus does what he does on the Sabbath, he's not breaking the Sabbath. That's a misunderstanding of passages like you know, going through the grain fields and, and plucking the, the ears of grain to eat a snack as they go through the field. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no violation of the Sabbath in that. But of course, the Pharisees went nuts because they had all of these extra rules that to them defined what it meant to keep the Sabbath as an Old Testament uh, Jewish person. So there's so many things that we need to see that we run into today. And frankly, it, Jay, it's a lot less than it used to be that you had a lot of folks like that. You know, you can't go to a movie or you can't have a deck of cards in your house. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, that someone might call legalism today. And you've heard me talk on this so many times. Legalism is often misunderstood. I think the only reference to legalism or anything close to that is when Paul talks about trying to earn the favor that he wanted to have with God through the keeping of the law. That's true legalism. But today we still use the word in the sense that Jesus used the concept of taking traditions of men and making them out to be commandments of God. And we've had a lot of that in the past. You just think of a lot of uh, older folks, you know, maybe your grandparents had a set of rules that had really nothing to do with the Bible, but they thought was an expression of Christianity. And they said, if you keep those, you don't dance, you know, you don't, you don't chew tobacco, you don't ever have a sip of alcohol, you don't play cards, you know, you don't go to a movie, then you're, you're okay with God. Well, that, that's kind of what the Pharisees would do. That's the, it's like, that's a good example of Pharisaical laws. And the Sadducees, on the other hand, were kind of the, what we might compare to the liberals of today, the theological liberals, right? That, that, you know, we're not going to believe anything that's going to be out of step with our culture, you know, that we don't want to get into stuff that, uh, you know, the culture is going to, going to snicker at. And that's why when Jesus uh, came on the scene, he was dealing with the Pharisees and his apostles that were preaching about Jesus and his resurrection, they sneered at him. They, they, they mocked the apostle Paul, the, the apostles, they mocked them because they thought, well, this is crazy. You know, this is nuts. The man rising from the dead, people don't rise from the dead. They didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in God ever breaking natural law or being involved in his creation. And how many people do we know today that say, well, yeah, I believe in God, but they don't believe they're really naturalists, you know, posing as theists, and they they don't believe that God intervenes in time and space. They don't believe in the virgin birth. They don't believe that Jesus walked on water. They don't believe he rose bodily from the dead. And and that's a good depiction, I think, at least if I'm trying to make a connection to the modern era of the Sadducees expressing themselves in our modern day. How could two groups that seem to have such disparate beliefs get together so often to confront Christ. Well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? I mean, I've heard that. Right. That's, and that's a good, that's just a good sociological description of how it works on the playground and elementary school and in geopolitics. I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at. If I've got someone I don't like and I can find a partner 
to you know to to oppose him with me and double my efforts you know and and, and double the impact of opposition well then you know I'll put my arm around someone and, and do that I mean I shouldn't and I I'm just saying it's just the way human nature works so the Pharisees and the Sadducees teachers of the law you you rattle off a bunch of them the zealots the Hellenists all of these they were all together in many ways against Christ but particularly the two major groups you see a lot of in Scripture those Pharisees and Sadducees often teamed up because they neither one of them I mean Jesus didn't fit into either one of their you know categories of religion which by the way is what Jesus represented is the truth of the Bible. In other words, Jesus, by just coming and echoing the truth of the Old Testament, was showing that both the Pharisees and the Sadducees had abandoned the scriptures they claimed to believe in. How ironic that it's Jesus who's quoting scripture to the Pharisees, the law keepers of the day, and how that must have come across to all the people Absolutely. watching this. Yeah, think about it. I mean, here were the Pharisees were known as the experts on scripture, and you've got this traveling Galilean rabbi who actually ends up being the Messiah, and they 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 can't contend with his expression of the truthfulness of scripture. It reminds me of Psalm 119 that, you know, because of the word of God, because of our knowledge of the word of God, as the writer of Psalm 119 says, who I believe is David, by the way, says, uh, you know, it makes me wiser than all my teachers. You can sit around and claim to be the authority, but if you don't take the whole of the scripture and only the scripture, uh, you're going to be tied into a pretzel, even by a 12-year-old kid who sits in the temple, as that story so famously goes in, in the Gospel of Luke, and be able to confound them by just asking biblical questions and speaking of biblical truths when you speak them wholly and you recognize them completely and you 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 capture the essence of what those scriptural verses say, you're going to confound the people that have built all kinds of, of nonsensical man-made traditions on top of them. So yeah, Jesus, I would say, obviously, even at 12, the Messiah was able to twist these quote unquote PhDs, these teachers of the law into pretzels because he was all about the truth, the intent of scripture and what it said in the Old Testament. He was bringing it to them and they could not withstand that kind of wisdom. Not only was he God in human form, but we can do the same thing by wielding scripture accurately. As Paul said to Timothy, by by rightly handling the word of truth, by being able to 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 know the mystery of the faith, to have the truth of God's word as it's required of of pastors in the New Testament, to be able to 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 contradict those who oppose us, to be, be able to set them right, to bring those who take the truth and twist it and be able to straighten them out by clear, forthright, expressions of the word of God, appealing to their conscience before God, as Paul put it to the Corinthians, and just bringing the clear presentation of the truth. And, and that that has such power. You be a kid and quote a scriptural verse and comment on it accurately, and you're going to take the liberal theologian at some seminary and really show his folly, uh, or the guy who's built all these man-made principles or concepts or traditions on top of the Word of God. It's about the power of the Word of God, and that's why Focal Point exists, right? We're here to try and get that Word out clearly, saying no more or no less than what it says. You've touched on pointing back to Scripture, obviously, with Jesus and the Pharisees, and just a little bit in our own lives. We get a lot of people talking about well, I do it this way, or I do it this way, or my church does things this way. How do we counsel someone who is maybe steeped in too much tradition 
or things piled on above what Scripture says to strip away the things that really aren't scriptural. Right. Yeah, and I think distinguishing what you're doing with traditions. Everyone's got traditions. Are they bad? Well, well, they're not bad. I mean, everyone needs a way to do things, and we're habitual creatures, and we like to do things the way we did them last week, last month. And I get that. There's a liturgy to everyone's worship. There's a tradition to everyone's way of, of walking in their Christian life. It's just not teaching those things as the commandments of God, right? Romans 14 is so helpful in this regard. I mean, we, we recognize that some people value certain things and, and kind of find a, a certain, I don't know, a expression of their godliness through this particular thing. And as long as they're not saying, well, you got to do the same, I'm going to judge you based on this. And, and if you don't do it my way, you're, you're doing it the wrong way. Uh, I mean, that then that's fine. You know, as he says, if one day values one day over another or one man values every day the same, well, great. Let everyone be convinced in their own mind. But the whole point of Romans 14 is you don't stand as the judge of another man's servant. Of course, we can judge another man's servant in this regard regarding the things that the master has said clearly, but the things that he has not is prescribed for us, right? Then no big deal. I just had a conversation just last week about this, you know, uh, about we have services, as you know, Jay, on Saturdays here at the church, just because we have too much room and too much activity or don't have enough room and too much activity, too many people to do it on Sunday. And I quoted Romans 14 to this person that was questioning, how can you have a church service on a, on a Saturday when, you know, don't all Christians have their church services on Sunday? Well, there's a good example of being able to say, listen, the Bible addresses this. I, I could have church services on Tuesday. I preached in, in the Middle East uh, when our evangelical Christian church services were on Friday because that's the day everyone has off. The day doesn't matter. And yet, if you want to go to church on Sunday and that's when your church does it, that's great. Fantastic. So we can't make those traditions, those liturgies, those patterns, those ways that we do things in the Christian life, the commandment of God that everyone else has to do. And that's what the Pharisees did. Well, thank you, Pastor Mike. It does seem like no matter what century or millennium we're talking about, as followers of Christ, we're going to have to be discerning to cut through that noise and the chatter of the culture and, and definitely ground ourselves in God's word for that absolute truth. Absolutely, so, yep. Back to you, Dave. Thanks, Jay. And thank you, Pastor Mike, for a fascinating discussion about the political climate that surrounded Jesus in first century Israel. And I love what Pastor Mike said about being faithful to respond to all of what God says, and nothing more than what God says. That is the careful balance, isn't it? Well, if you missed the beginning of our conversation, you can hear it online at focalpointradio.org. And if you have a question for Pastor Mike, you can send it to him online at focalpointradio.org. Just click on the tab that says, Ask Pastor Mike. He'll answer any question, personal or profound, about the Bible, Christianity, and how faith fits into our world today. And whether you listen online, on the radio, or through the Focal Point mobile app, there's never a cost barrier to listen to Pastor Mike's teaching, thanks to the generosity of our faithful listeners. And if you've been growing and learning through this program and want to see it continue, why not make this the day you take your support to the next level? December is a great time to give a one-time gift, or better yet, set up a regular monthly contribution. As a monthly Focal Point partner, your faithful support allows us to set our course for the new year and plan ahead. And here at Focal Point, we want to see the gospel reach the whole world. 
To set up your contribution, please call 888-320-5885. That's 888 888- 320-5885 or set up your monthly gift online at focalpointradio.org or if you prefer you can send your donation by mail our address is focal point post office box 2850 laguna hills california 92654 and if you're not quite ready to give just yet we'd still like to hear from you this month we have a free christmas gift for listeners who contact focal point it's a helpful booklet about why Christmas impacts the whole world, and not just in December. It's titled, From Creation to Bethlehem, and it's published by the well-respected apologetics ministry, Answers in Genesis. You know, Christmas is becoming more and more secular, but this easy-to-read booklet shows the surprising connection between Christmas and the creation of the world. You'll want to read it for yourself and then share it with a friend this Christmas. So contact us today and let us know you're listening. And when you do, we'll send you a free gift from creation to Bethlehem. Look for this month's free gift at focalpointradio.org. And before we wrap up today, Pastor Mike has a wonderful invitation for you, our listeners. Pastor Mike Fabar is here. You know, God created the world for his children to enjoy and to help you worship him in his creation. I'm going to invite you to join me for a seven-day Alaskan cruise coming up in the summer of 2024. We're going to study the Bible together, and we're going to worship with a Grammy Award winner named Keith Hancock. We're going to visit the beautiful, majestic scenery of God and his creation, so don't wait to book your spot. Visit focalpointministries.org Alaska. Thank you, Pastor Mike. To get more information, go to focalpointministries.org slash Alaska. Well, I'm your host, Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again next time when we'll continue exploring God's Word together right here on Focal Point. program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.